gas prices keep soaring. The factor is making it painful to fuel up and whether the province will offer any more relief. Allegations of sexual harassment against Delta police. I didn't feel like I was in a position to stand up and say this is inappropriate. A female officer who says she was forced to abandon her dream job. And fighting for a rebate from Fortis, B.C. And they said, well, sorry, we can't do anything if you don't have the code and it's too late to do it now. A homeowner who thought she was doing the right thing and how Consumer Matters had to step in to help. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Drivers in BC are experiencing pain at the pumps once again as gas prices in Metro Vancouver reach a record high. You'll remember the province announced a one-time rebate through ICBC back in April when prices first started rising. And as Richard Zussman reports, that seems to be the only relief coming for drivers. With each drop, it's a blow to the wallet. Gas prices climbing to $2.22.9 per litre, a record. And don't expect any help from the province paying for it. I'm acutely aware of the impact that uh, increased prices are having, whether it's on businesses uh, or on uh, households where you have to get your kids to soccer or to, uh, or to school. Well, we're doing, we're doing what we can, and we'll consider other measures. What they can do is a $110 rebate coming now to ICBC customers through the insurer. I'd like to invite Bruce to the podium. On Monday, Bruce Ralston making an unrelated announcement Thanks alongside the CEO of Parkland, the company that sells fuel under the Chevron name. No help coming from the company either. Very difficult to protect the price of energy because, again, a lot of the price of energy is not set locally. Gas prices in B.C. continue to be the highest in North America, driven by low supply and the war in Ukraine. And experts expect prices will go even higher by summer. Well, I think we're good for another 10 to 15 cents a litre above what we're paying today at times, not all the time. A major speed bump for those planning a road trip. For example, a 2020 Toyota RAV4 doing a 1,500-kilometer BC road trip last summer would have filled up at 174 per liter and led to a fuel bill of around $206. This year, at an estimated 240 per liter, that same road trip will cost $284, nearly $80 more expensive. People might forego a restaurant meal or two or stay in a different venue than they had originally planned, or they may forego an activity which would harm the tourism sector to be sure. The BC Liberals are once again suggesting the break here at the pumps should start with a break when it comes to gas taxes. I think there are avenues that the government though could bring in that short-term relief as we saw in Alberta when they removed 13 cents a litre when, when oil is uh, extremely expensive on the world market. And it's not just the impact on drivers. High fuel drives up costs to trucks delivering groceries, to cabs, and to food delivery. All gas pains where there seems to be no relief. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the pain at the pump. And Keith, the price of gas isn't the only thing going higher. What about the taxes we pay when we fill up, too? 
Yeah, a big part of your bill at the pump is due to taxation at both the provincial and federal levels, and it goes to pay for various services, notably transit, particularly in Metro Vancouver. Here's how it breaks down in terms of taxes as you pay at the pump. First of all, the Translink, Translink levy is the most expensive, at 18.5 cents per litre. Carbon tax went up a penny on April 1st to 11 cents. The federal excise tax is 10 cents. GST is almost 10 cents. Provincial excise is 8.5 cents. He added all up, 56.5 cents. That'll likely go up a little bit because the GST and the excise tax will go up as the price of gas goes up as well. This does not include what's called the fuel standard regulation, which requires uh, companies to make uh, basically friendlier fuel in terms of a mix of gasoline to be less polluting. The estimate there, that costs another 17 cents per litre. If you add that to it, we're talking about one third of the price you pay right now at the pump is due to regulation and taxes. That's where the government has some room to maneuver. So far, it's rejected it. John Horgan has argued that just taking the tax off just allows the companies to jack up the price even more to replace the tax with a price increase. But clearly, that's the conversation that's about to occur. No doubt. All right, we'll wait to see if there's any movement. Thanks, Keith. And with no end in sight to these record high fuel prices, BC Ferries is increasing the fuel surcharge for all vehicles and passengers. The rate will climb from the current 1% to 2.5% as of June 1st. According to the Ferry Corporation, the increase works out to an additional 45 cents for an adult foot passenger or $2 for a vehicle and driver on the major Metro Vancouver to Vancouver Island routes. BC's largest renewable diesel complex is coming to Burnaby. Parkland is er, expanding its Burnaby refinery to increase production of so-called low-carbon fuels to about 700 million litres per year by 2026. The co-processing capacity at the existing refinery will be increased and a new renewable diesel complex will be built. The company says it will reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 2 megatons per year. That's about the same as taking 700,000 vehicles off the road. The Burnaby refinery helps keep BC moving on the road, on the ocean, and in the sky. The renewable fuels these projects will produce will have approximately one-eighth of the carbon intensity of conventional fuels. The project will cost about $600 million, and more than 40% of it is being paid for by the province in the form of low-carbon fuel standard compliance credits. The credits are awarded to fuel suppliers for actions that increase the use of low-carbon fuels like hydrogen, electricity, and renewable gas and diesel. A former Delta police officer is coming forward to talk about what she says was a toxic workplace of harassment and bullying. Helen Irving walked away from a nearly decade-long career as an officer when she could no longer cope. Catherine Urquhart has her story. So when I finally got in, I cried. (laughs) I did. I was like, I finally did it. This thing I've been working so hard for. Helen Irvine was a Delta police officer for eight years. Initially, she loved her job, but the 35-year-old says it was a toxic workplace. And after being assigned to work with a different group of officers, she became a target of bullying, harassment, and sexual harassment. There was this game that they would play called Would You Rather. They'd be like, oh, you know, would you, would you rather have sex with this person and this person would be sitting right in front of me or get eaten by an alligator? This was while you were on the job? They'd pose oh, these yeah. questions? Yeah. Were these colleagues, bosses? Both. 
Irvine says fellow officers played head games with her by hiding her patrol car keys. And she had ongoing concerns about being backed up in the field. Those worries were shared by her husband, a member of the Surrey RCMP. And we worked on the same shift. He would listen. He would listen on the radio to make sure that if I needed help, I was getting it. And he was ready to come and help me. Wow. It was bad. She complained to Human Resources, and in 2018, a months-long investigation was done into several members of the Delta Police Department. They said, we believe you. We believe everything that you've told us actually happened. But we don't have enough evidence to do anything about it. Delta Police told Global News the evidence did not meet the threshold to substantiate misconduct by the respondent officers in relation to this particular member. However, this investigation revealed a second incident involving a separate police officer. This resulted in a finding of misconduct against two officers and sanctions imposed. Following 18 months on maternity leave, last month Irvine walked away from the job she once loved. She says she was motivated to speak out for her daughter, Isabella. I look at her and I go, I did this for you. I did this for you so that I can tell you. I stood up for myself. It was okay. I am okay. You can do the same thing and speak up for others. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. More than four years after the death of six-year-old Dante Patrick Lucas, the little boy's biological mother and stepfather have now been charged with first-degree murder. As Kylie Stanton reports, Port Alberni RCMP say the charges come after a painstaking and emotionally charged investigation that has had an impact on the entire community. Oh, you're going to be a fireman? The dreams were never realized. Instead, at just six years old, Dante Lucas had his life cut short. You're such a happy boy. (laughs) His laugh is so contagious. His family has been holding on to these memories while desperately waiting for answers. Now, more than four years later, they're finally one step closer. I immediately broke down. I was quite emotional when he gave me the news that they made two, two arrests that morning. On Friday, May 6th, the Port Alberni RCMP arrested Dante's mother, Raquel Frank, and now husband, Mitchell Frank, and charges were approved for the first-degree murder of Dante Lucas. The boy was found in medical distress at this townhome on March 13, 2018. He was taken to hospital, where he later died. But it's still not clear how or why this happened. I can't release that. That'll have to come out of trial. And that's something the family is dreading. It's going to be a lot harder sitting and hearing all the details of what had happened. According to the RCMP, while the investigation did take time, painstaking efforts were made to ensure the matter would be ready to go before the courts immediately, disclosing every piece of evidence to the BC Prosecution Service before Crown Counsel approved the charges. Officers have reviewed hours of video, spoken with dozens of witnesses, and reviewed cell phone data, and reports from outside agencies. The community now relieved to see the charge of first-degree murder and hopeful it sends a message. You know that our children are precious ones. Our children need to be protected and people should not do anything to harm them or that they do face the full force of the law. The accused were arrested without incident and remain in police custody while they await trial. You're going to drive a fire truck? And the family prepares to reopen the wounds. 
Kylie Stanton, Global News. We're learning a lot more tonight about a 14-year-old girl killed by a dump truck in Burnaby. A memorial is growing at the site of the tragedy, and now a GoFundMe page is set up to help the family. It indicates the girl had recently moved to Canada from Afghanistan and describes her as generous and kind, someone who excelled in her studies. She leaves behind her parents and five siblings. She was the oldest. The grade 8 student from Burn Creek Community School was walking home with friends last Thursday when the accident happened. Somehow she ended up in the street and was struck and killed by a dump truck at 11th Avenue near 16th Street. The driver stayed on the scene and the investigation continues into what caused the tragedy. Neighbors say they've been warning about trucks in the area for some time. Lower mainland residents are rallying to prevent a family's deportation to Mexico. Adriana Rosales and Alberto Vargas came to B.C. 13 years ago. They are undocumented. Their refugee claim has been denied. But they have had a daughter here, and our Krista Dow is live tonight at a rally where supporters are fighting to keep the family here on compassionate grounds. Krista. Uh, Sophie, plenty of support for the new Westminster couple who people say are cherished members of the community. They are pleading with the government to allow them to stay here in Canada where they say they belong. For Alberto Vargas, this has become a stressful weekly occurrence, reporting to the Immigration and Refugee Board of Canada. Three times a week, Monday, uh, Wednesday and Friday. As an undocumented migrant, by law, he's required to report his status. Stress every day, but it's a hard. Vargas and his wife Adriana Rosales fled Mexico more than 13 years ago after Alberto says he refused to work with a Mexican gang, was assaulted and received death threats. The couple applied for refugee status but was denied. They've been trying to regularize their status ever since, uh, but the options are quite limited. Last summer, the couple completed their immigration application, asking to stay on humanitarian and compassionate grounds. By the time it was reviewed, some forms were outdated. Since they've welcomed their daughter Sophia into the world, she's now six, a Canadian citizen. They fear what will happen to her if they're deported. We are uh, terrified for our daughter and ourselves. Uh, it's very scary when I think maybe we go we back to Mexico. Back to Mexico. On November 30th, Adriana was arrested by CBSA agents after dropping her daughter off at school. They say what keeps them going is the support they've received. They are friends, they are family now, family Canadian. And is it hard to think about leaving that? <laughs> we are an honest and working family. Just, just we need another opportunity to stay here in Canada. Sophie, we reached out to the Ministry of Immigration, Refugee, Canadian Citizen and the CBSA. Both say due to privacy they're unable to comment on the couple's story, but the CBSA did say that the decision to remove someone from Canada is not taken lightly. As for the couple, their removal date is July 8th and the community here hoping it doesn't come to that. All right, thanks for that. Krista Dow reporting in New Westminster tonight. 
A homeowner makes a decision to go greener and it ends up costing her. She saw all the ads saying Fortis BC would offer thousands in rebates to switch from an oil burning furnace to natural gas. But guess what happened when she went ahead and did it? Why Consumer Matters eventually had to step in to help and what other homeowners can learn from it. Next on the News Hour. Heroes Among Us, the Vancouver police constable who risked his own life in the line of duty, coming up. And Living the Dream, a tour of the latest PE prize home and how it's different from all the others later. Right now, though, a BC woman who wanted to make the switch to a natural gas furnace ran into difficulty when trying to obtain her rebate from Fortis, BC. The Seashell resident thought she did everything by the book until she got a big surprise from the utility company, which denied her the money at first. She called Consumer Matters and Andrew came in to help. Anne? Thanks, Chris. This situation had been going on for months with no resolution. Rose Ayers had installed the natural gas furnace only to be told she needed a special code to get the Fortis BC rebate. But that code proved to be a major hurdle for Rose. I always got fuel delivered and to fill that tank was about $1,800. For decades, Rose Ayers used an oil furnace to heat her mobile home. But after 40 years, it broke down. Rose decided it was time for a change. It was costing me about $1,800 a year to heat the place. The Seashell resident set her sights on a natural gas furnace. Part of that decision based on a Fortis BC pamphlet she picked up, advertising an up to $1,000 rebate. This is the furnace here. Convinced, she went ahead and had the new natural gas furnace installed. I'm telling you, it really heats the place up nicely. It seemed like a smooth transition until she went to apply for the rebate. Rose admits she's not comfortable around computers, so she asked her longtime friend Trish McKean to guide her through the process. It looked very straightforward. It gave explicit steps. But those steps became an uphill battle. When Trish went online to the Fortis BC site to apply for the rebate, she ran into a roadblock. Suddenly, it asked me for a code. And I thought what code there was no code ever given to me trish reached out to fortis bc customer service several times but without success customer service said well you were supposed to apply for the code before you bought the furnace and they said well sorry we can't do anything if you don't have the code and it's too late to do it now rose also reached out to fortis and says she got a similar response they get back to you and and they say oh you haven't got that you haven't got your code you haven't got this you know and 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 I, I gave up for a couple of months. They were both frustrated and time was running out. The rebate was only being offered for a limited time. I think it's ludicrous. I think it's wrong. When they offer a rebate and they make it so incredibly impossible to claim it. They just said you have to get this code. That's when Consumer Matters stepped in to help on Rose's behalf. Fortis BC apologizing, claiming it was a misunderstanding regarding two of the company's rebate programs. Fortis BC telling Consumer Matters the correct rebate for her situation is a connect to gas rebate. The link in your email and program she applied for was a home renovation rebate. Fortis also stating Rose will now be getting a rebate of $1,300. I did the connect to gas rebate. I don't know where they got this home renovation rebate thing from. It was not a renovation. It just seems a fight for everything these days. A fight Rose can finally put behind her, now enjoying her new furnace and a lower utility bill. 
And Fortis BC also telling Consumer Matters it's encouraging customers to get in touch with them if they experience any issues. It says typically situations like this can be resolved through its customer service team. However, as we learned in Rose's case, that didn't happen until Consumer Matters got involved. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Ann. And just ahead, COVID brain fog. People are two years post-infection and still symptomatic. Local companies team up offering free treatment for long COVID sufferers. And the investigation into mysterious deaths at a famous Bahamas resort. Good evening. Still dealing with this semi in the ditch here in Surrey. It's affecting westbound traffic on Highway 17 near 136th Street. Traffic is backed up solid from the Port Van Bridge. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a rolled-over semi in Surrey. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team. And let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Two BC-based companies are teaming up, hoping to help people who suffer from long COVID. And as John Waugh shows us, the companies say research is showing COVID-19 can actually appear to be more like a brain injury. Imagine the only interaction with the outside world is five minutes on a balcony each day. Like, what do you do? It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. This home video of Adriana Patino shows how she's become a prisoner of her own North Vancouver apartment. (laughs) Since getting COVID-19 in December of 2020, she says her cognitive post-concussion-like symptoms have only gotten worse. The noise, the, 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 the light, the car movement, the people walking, like all the aspects of outside, my brain can't process it because of the damage that it has. According to Health Canada, there have been reports of more than 100 different COVID symptoms, including fatigue, memory loss, shortness of breath, and difficulty thinking and concentrating. About 60% of COVID sufferers have reported experiencing one or more symptoms. 12 weeks after their initial COVID infections. They don't understand long COVID. They tell you that it's all psychological. You're being hypochondriac or driving yourself crazy. Patino and other members of the advocacy group Long COVID Canada say many patients like them are falling through the cracks. Long COVID clinics are few and far between. Those that exist are under-resourced. That's where private clinic ABI Wellness hopes to lend a hand. This is just suddenly happening to such a large group so quickly that it's really quite catastrophic if we do not get systems and services in place to help. BC companies, ABI Wellness and Easton Cognitive Health Optimization Systems are providing free virtual long COVID treatment for BC residents. You're able to progress through and gradually work those networks in order to kind of regain that cognitive function. The times that I have pushed through have found me on the back of an ambulance. At this point, Patino says this at least offers some hope that one day she'll be released from the prison she also calls home. John Hua, Global News. Just ahead, a mystery illness at a Caribbean resort. Donis woke up feeling paralyzed. Paralyzed? Paralyzed. Three people dead, another in hospital with a lot of unanswered questions. 
and show of force. What Russia's president says about his invasion of Ukraine and how Ukraine is responding. Good evening and good news. Traffic is in good shape over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, especially after clearing an earlier stall on the Nordell off-ramp. From southbound Alex Fraser, it's completely eased off. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Alex Fraser Bridge. A muted celebration in Russia to celebrate Victory Day when countries broke free from Nazi Germany's stronghold. But Vladimir Putin also used today to justify Russia's war in Ukraine. And while Putin refuses to back down, so too does Ukraine's president, who insists that his country will win despite the ongoing assault. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. Putting his might on full display, Russia's president signaled to the world its efforts in Ukraine are in the country's best interest. You're fighting for the motherland, for its future, Vladimir Putin told his military. There is support for this war across Russia, though speaking out against it is illegal. But while Russians celebrate a day to commemorate freedom, Ukrainians, who also mark this day, hid behind a curfew with their leader acting as one voice for all. There is no invader who can rule over our free people, Volodymyr Zelensky says. Sooner or later, we win. But ahead of victory lies an endless battlefield. We already see the presence of seven cruise missile carriers in the Black Sea, this defense spokesperson says. That could put more targets on cities Russia is looking to claim as its own. To keep Ukrainian defense forces going, U.S. President Joe Biden signed into law a Lend-Lease Act to provide weapons on request. The cost of the fight is not cheap, but uh, caving to aggression is even more costly. But money is an issue. Presidential drawdown funds are dwindling, and the Pentagon is calling for more. That will get us to about the third week of this month is what we're, we're pretty much anticipating. Weapons will help, so too will an alliance. On a tour of hard-hit Odessa, the European Council president says EU membership will be discussed next month. High-level efforts that run up against raw emotion at ground level. This Ukrainian police officer reuniting with his mother on Sunday after 74 days. Brief moments of joy amid a war that's taken so much. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Police continue to investigate the deaths of three Americans at a resort in the Bahamas. The trio died under mysterious circumstances, with a fourth falling seriously ill. Global's Kyle Benning has more on the ongoing investigation. Tragedy in paradise for the friends and family of two American couples who were vacationing in the Bahamas. Three of them have died in so far unknown circumstances, while the fourth is in serious condition in a Miami hospital. Police and government agencies are looking into what happened at the resort. And we feel that what we are seeing is an isolated case associated in a particular area. And so our team is still here to finalize those findings. Sandals Emerald Bay is an all-inclusive resort marketed to adults. In a statement, the company says it is actively working to support both the investigation as well as the guests' families. Foul play is not suspected. The Royal Bahamas Police Force Commissioner says its pathologists are awaiting a toxicology report from the coroner. Um, the lab has assured us that they will be able to get us their 
examination and results within seven days. On Friday, officers found 64-year-old Vincent Chirella from Florida unresponsive in his villa with no signs of trauma. His wife, Donis, was found paralyzed. Later, the bodies of Michael and Robbie Phillips from Tennessee were found in an adjacent villa with both showing signs of convulsion. A police commissioner noted all four of them had seen a doctor hours before their deaths, with Michael and Robbie reporting feeling nauseous. The news, not easy to hear for people who met the Florida couple at the resort last week. We were told, I don't know firsthand, was that Donis woke up feeling paralyzed. Paralyzed? Paralyzed is what was reported to us. Um, couldn't move, said her arms and her legs were swollen um, and that she could see Vince laying in the floor. Guests remain at Sandals Emerald Bay. And the investigation continues. The Department of, of uh, Environmental Health is still on scene as well as we have some presence of officers and that area is still preserved until we give the all clear. The police commissioner expects toxicology reports to be ready by the end of the week. Kyle Benning, Global News. Coming up, going above and beyond. He's quite emotional. It's been a long journey. The man receiving the VPD's highest honor for protecting others in a life and death struggle. And living the good life in Langley, what the new PE prize home offers to the winner. Some welcome news for a lot of people in the Sycamuse Creek Mobile Home Park. The district of Sycamuse in the Columbia Shushwap Regional District has rescinded the evacuation alert for all 27 properties there. The alert was issued last Thursday due to the potential danger to life, health and property caused by the threat of a landslide in the Wiseman Creek. The alert was officially lifted, though, at 10 o'clock this morning. Well, more than a thousand people in northern Alberta have been evacuated from their homes, which could be underwater tonight. Extreme flooding prompted a local state of emergency on a First Nation community near the town of High Level. As Global's Dan Grummet reports, it could be days before floodwaters recede and months before people can return. This is the main road. The main and only road out of the community of Chate on the Denethaw First Nation. All 1,100 residents were forced to flee their homes to escape extreme flooding. It's unlike anything we have had in the past. The local chief says the province warned them a few days ago significant rainfall combined with spring melt could cause a nearby creek to spill its banks. On Saturday, partial evacuation orders were issued for some residential areas, but by Sunday evening, it was clear everyone had to get out. All those things combined together, you know, it makes it uh, uh, supposed to be the perfect storm. Most evacuees were taken to nearby high level, which has become an almost annual refuge for communities fleeing fire and floods. It always comes with a lot of pain for the elders. The mayor says there weren't enough hotel rooms for everyone, and roughly 150 people are staying at the town's aging arena, including dozens of children. We didn't even have cots, so we went um, to all the schools and got mats for them to sleep on. The 
River pressure is just too high. There are at least 60 emergency personnel still in Chate deploying tiger dams to mitigate damage. Water levels appear to have peaked, but the province says with continued snow melt and saturated soil, they're not expected to recede for days. And with homes already underwater, it could be months before many evacuees go home. Dan Grummet, Global News. So much worse in the cold up there, too. And we've been below normal for a, quite a spell, too. We'll check in now with Christy, who's got a look at our weather forecast mm -hmm. for the week. Christy? Thanks, Chris. So we saw some sunshine today. We did over Mother's Day as well. And in that sun, we were able to warm up a, a, a bit. It actually feels fairly warm out here right now. But as you said, we still have this very cold air mess over us and we have no major change in sight. More on that in a second. I want to show you this photo that came in today. I have never seen anything like it. This is what I think is a parhelic circle. So this is a very rare optical phenomenon that happens. And if I'm incorrect, please let me know. But this this is what I understand it as. So on the right hand and left hand side of the sun, you can sometimes get a sun dog. Now, if that sun dog continues, it creates this parhelic circle and you rarely see it to be a whole thing like that. So very cool. Thanks so much, Tony, for sharing that one with us. Uh, and again, if you know more about this stuff, let me know about it. Write it to me at weatherwindow at globaltv.com. In the meantime, another optical phenomenon, a beautiful rainbow today in Victoria because we have had some breaks of blue sky and we also had a number of showers. There were even some thunderstorms in through the interior today. So we're still dealing with this cold, unsettled air mass. Snow in the mountains is still possible. Do not travel the mountain passes without the uh, snow tires because you absolutely have the potential. And that's not only today, but into tomorrow as well. We'll see breaks of blue sky through the Okanagan Valley, but the mountains, South Coast mountains, as well as the interior are still going to see the potential for snowfall. For our region, just a slight chance of showers. Fraser Valley, though, 60% chance of showers tomorrow. We are expecting more widespread showers Wednesday and Thursday. It is going to remain unsettled and cool all week long. In the meantime, I'll leave you with tonight's center windows weather window. Another shot of the same rainbow looking out from Victoria from the Qualicum Bay beach area. Uh, great. Thanks so much to Lance for that great shot with the Canadian flag in there, too. Mm -hmm. Double rainbow, too. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. Great photos tonight. All right, if you are in the market for a new home, with a little luck, you could be the owner of a $2.4 million fully furnished property in Langley. Let's take a look at it. The 2022 PNE Prize Home, 3,400 square feet, three floors, three bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms. There's a media room and a legal one bedroom basement suite. The home has Tuscan-inspired accents and clean energy technology, including an EV charger. You don't have to pay for gas if you move in there. To make the deal even sweeter, it comes completely furnished. This home is beautifully family-oriented in a community that is just warm and inviting, close to schools, restaurants, boutique shops, and local breweries. Really nice community of Latimer and Langley. Don't remember the in-law suite in previous iterations of the P&E Prize Home. Anyway, chances to win it are 1 in 814,000, so keep your expectations low. Ticket packages for the lottery start at $30 and can be bought online at peniprizehome.ca. Is it like when you win the home and then you just know thousands of people have walked, walked through, through it? it. <laughs> Did they take their shoes off? 
Did they touch things? Did they go through the drawers? It gets a wipe down. <laughs> I could uh, I could tell you something. When I did a story a couple of years ago on people walking through the house, mm-hmm. one of the keepers of the house said, every once in a while, somebody thinks the bathroom works. Oh, no. And oh, no. it doesn't work. No. The toilet doesn't work. Thanks okay. That and with that, enjoy your dinner. Um, <laughs> The uh, Whitecaps will not have goalkeeper Thomas Assault for a bit of time because he injured his finger yesterday against Toronto. At the moment he's doing, uh, uh, just having his hand in, in ice. Well, this is why it's in ice. Here's what happened. Getting kicked right there on a goal that was disallowed in a game that Vancouver won. Also tonight, recognizing bravery, an officer receives the VPD's highest honor after stepping in to stop a rampage. All right, Squire's ready to go. I am ready to go. Um, I'm going to talk about the White Cats first. Vanny Sardini. Vanny Sardini. <laughs> I guess I wasn't ready to go. <laughs> Vanny Sartini did say that he thought things would go better for the Whitecaps at home, and he was right. Vancouver got a bit of luck, well, maybe a lot of luck, and the only goal for a 1-0 win against Toronto. The Whitecaps are still at the bottom of the West, but at least they got some confidence back, the confidence they had in bunches late last season. And with the win, they also took a bit of heat off Vanny as well. It was a win the Vancouver Whitecaps and coach Vanny Sartini desperately needed. Vancouver's 1-0 victory over Toronto FC, just the second victory of the season for a cap side that remains last in the league and is pretty much in must-win territory the next few months to make up for all that lost ground. If things are not going well, you you are uh, you can get the axe anytime. So it's uh, I would say it's 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 also good sometimes to feel the pressure, and the only way to relieve the pressure is through results. So we need to we did a good result yesterday. We need to go we need to go 100 percent to the, to have the, to have a good result on Wednesday. Wednesday is another big match and another must win. The Caps take on high-powered Valor FC of the Canadian Premier League in the opening round of the Canadian Championship. Valor nine goals in four matches. Anything less than a win for the White Caps will once again, though, have Vanny Sartini in the hot seat. Keeping in mind that former Caps coach Mark Dos Santos was fired following Vancouver's loss to Pacific FC in last year's Canadian Championship play. So Wednesday is the most important game of the year so far. Because it's a game, it's a do or die. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not like the league that, okay, if we lose today, then we can win three in a row and we make it up or whatever. No, if we lose Wednesday, we're out. Uh, it's a competition that we want to win and uh, try to win, let's say. And also the last two times in the Canadian Championship, we went out in the first round. So uh, we won't basically erase this, uh, uh, I would say, bad uh, reputation that we have in this competition for the last couple of years. Now, the Whitecaps' win did come with some pain for goalkeeper Thomas Assal, who injured his middle finger on his left hand, and he had to come out of the game and will see a specialist this week, which means for sure he won't play in Wednesday's game against Valor FC, which, of course, is from the Canadian Premier League. By the way, that game is 7 o'clock at BC Place. We hope that uh, it's going to be as uh, short uh, as possible, these uh, absence, because... 
uh, again, yesterday he came up big and, he, and he's doing very well. But at the same time, we are, we are not in panic mode. You've seen yesterday, Cody came on and did his part, so we are sure that uh, for the time being, uh, uh, Cody and, uh, and Isaac will be, will be a good solution to bingo. Louis Domingue, who for a short period of time was a Vancouver Canuck. Igor Shesterkin, who was the best goalie in the regular season, but not so much in the playoffs. Game four, Penguins and Rangers, that's not a goal you want to let in, even though it was deflected, kind of. Just looked bad. That was Mike Matheson, 2-1. Now Jake Gensel, 3-1. This is a Penguins team that the current Canucks management basically put together before they left. Mark Friedman, another bad-looking goal in Shesterkin. That makes it 4-1. It's 4-2. Langley's Danton Heinen tipping one in. Five second-period goals in Shesterkin. The Penguins now lead this series three games to one. Game four is over, 7-2 final. Uh, there will be no Vancouver Canucks playing for Team Canada when the World Hockey Championships start Friday in Finland. But there will be three BC boys, uh, forwards Matthew Barcel, Kent Johnson, and defenseman Dyson Mayo. There are also no Canucks on the U.S. team, even though the Canucks have a lot of Americans like Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, Thatcher Demko, and J.T. Miller. But Oliver ekman Larson will be playing for Sweden, and Abbotsford goalie Arthur Silovs will be on Latvia's team. This was a bit of a shock. The Islanders fired Barry Trotz after missing the playoffs this season. He did lead the Islanders to the Final Four a couple of times, but I'm not sure really what New York is thinking here. Trotz is not going to be out of work long. He has actually coached 23 straight years in the NHL with three different teams. And of course, as you see right there, he won the Stanley Cup with Washington in 2018. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Quickly, they forget. All right. Uh, recognizing a hero who put his life on the line to protect others. Coming up next. Jordan Armstrong is here with a look ahead to what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, nurses from across B.C. are gathering outside the legislature tonight for a candlelight vigil. They're calling it a vigil to heal health care, and they plan to mark the loss of life during the pandemic and the toxic drug crisis. We'll hear from them at 11. Plus, the city of Surrey is set to consider an expansion of mail-in voting for the upcoming election. These stories and more tonight on Global News at 11. Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Jordan. Vancouver police just released their annual commendations recognizing officers and civilians who show bravery in the face of danger. One of this year's recipients risked his life running at a suspect who threatened people with a knife back in 2016 and suffered serious injuries in the process. Aaron MacArthur has his story. Get away, get away. It was a fight for life and death. A man had already been stabbed. Another was being held at knife point. Vancouver police officers forced to use their weapons as the suspect turned his knife on them. One of the officers, Constable Justin Fraser, suffering grievous injuries. When the officers moved in to handcuff the violent suspect, he suddenly recovered. He grabbed hold of Constable Fraser and stabbed him five times in the abdomen, the shoulder, the back and the face, and then fell towards the injured constable. Everybody back, okay? It's been more than five years since the robbery and hostage situation at the Canadian Tire on Grandview Highway. Constable Fraser was awarded the VPD's highest honour Monday, the Award of Valour. 
Fraser declined an opportunity to talk about his experience, but his wife couldn't be more proud of the man he has become, a man still dealing with the toll that day took. He's just been through so much, and um, I guess I feel more, more amazed by him every day. Often, incidents like this make headlines, and then the public moves on. The people involved rarely have that luxury. The Vancouver Police Department handing out its service awards Monday, offering a chance for some well-deserved recognition. He faced one of the most challenging types of situations a police officer ever has to face. He stood up and did an absolutely incredible job, and I'm really, really proud of him. Justin Fraser and his colleagues were cleared by the Independent Investigations Office of any wrongdoing. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. For racing into danger, placing himself at risk without hesitation, and for saving a woman certain for death, Mr. Matthew Colson is awarded the Vancouver Police Department's highest award for civilian bravery, the Award of Merit. When an RV caught fire in April 2021, Matthew Colson heard screaming and knew he had to step in to help. Two people were trapped inside the burning vehicle. He ran from his parked car, scaled a retaining wall, and pulled a woman from the flames. He then braved the intense heat a second time to try to rescue a man who could not be saved. Colson suffered severe burns in the process. Glad to see them getting the recognition they deserve. For sure. All right. Uh, I do see brightness out there, sunshine, not a, maybe not a mm -hmm. lot of warmth, Christy, but we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there, as so is summer. It's getting there closer and closer. It doesn't totally feel like spring out here, I have to admit, but at least the sunshine is uh, out and we are going to see some breaks here and there, but overall cool and settled weather is a trend over the next little while. And I also just wanted to quickly mention our weather window was from Cordova Bay Beach in, in Victoria, not mm. Qualicum Bay Beach. Qualicum Bay was where the, that beautiful uh, sort of sun halo that I was showing you, that rare one, is from. So I had the up. My apologies. Beautiful places on the island, across the island. And some wild mm -hmm. phenomenon that we learned about tonight, too. Very good. All right, enjoy that sunset and um, have a wonderful evening, everybody. Thanks for watching. Good night, all. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.